hosted by former player and now loon sideline reporter Jamie Watson. Check this out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN, presented by Heineken. We are so glad you're tuning in this Tuesday night. This show, this one's going to be a little bit different. No Adrian Heath tonight. Now, don't turn off your dials just yet. You've got me here still, your host, Jamie Watson, but we're going to do things a little differently. Minnesota United has this wonderful podcast called The Sound of the Loons, run by Steve McPherson, copyright from Minnesota United. All things great with Minnesota United. You can find all his work on MNUFC.com. And normally him and Callum Williams each and every week get together and they do a podcast. It's a fantastic listen, a must listen. You can find that actually here at 1500ESPN.com or on Apple, iTunes, anywhere you download podcasts, you can find it. So this week, Callum Williams got married. Congratulations, Cal. He is in Kansas City, making his way to D.C., not here to record. Well, I am here to record with Steve McPherson, and Steve and I recorded a brilliant podcast this week. We're very, very excited for you to be able to hear it. We're going to play it in in parts tonight. Instead of the normal Adrian Heath show, which will be the same next week and the week after that, this week is going to be a special one. We were fortunate to have Steve sit down. It is a fantastic, fantastic listen. We hope you enjoy this week's edition of the Adrian Heath Show, just masked by the Sound of the Loons podcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and I am joined by former MNUFC player, current sideline commentator, host of the Adrian Heath Show, and second place finisher in the spring season of our office fantasy MLS league, Jamie Watson. Jamie, who finished first in the spring season? I didn't think it was going to take you very long to bring it up, but I didn't think that it would be the fourth sentence of the show. I like to I like to, hit, to start with the hard-hitting questions. I knew I know you're famous for that because when I listen to the Sound of the Loons podcast with you and Callum Williams, you always start with some little quip and I enjoy it very much when it's directed towards Callum now sitting in Callum's seat filling in for him. It hurts. It hurts. It's still too soon. I am still sitting in second place. You're in second place right now in the the fall season. And I'm sure you're going to remind me who's in first place. Yeah. So you have clearly proven that you are the elite fantasy mind in the Minnesota United office fantasy soccer pool. What? It's completely meaningless, but but thank you. Yeah, but it obviously means a lot. Well, I know because every time, you know, whenever I see you, it's one of, one of the first things you bring up. Like Absolutely. You talk about like <laughs> checking your lineups and who got in or who didn't get in. So I'm still mad at myself this last week. I <laughs> forgot to check international call-ups on Johnny Russell and Diego Rubio. So I was an idiot. I'll be honest. I saw that you had those guys in, and I didn't want to. I didn't. Want to anything, so. <laughs> you dirty, dirty dog. I, you know, I, hey, you know, you I don't blame you one bit. That's that's completely my fault. And I uh, I was like, what's this red dot next to him mean? I was like, that's weird. I'll probably <laughs> check it Wednesday before the games start. And I got caught up doing something, and then I realized about 15 minutes into the game after Kansas City had started, I was like. No, yeah, I didn't yeah, check it, yeah. and there was no turning back. So, yeah, still, uh, still had a good week. Managed to win the week. Yes, yes, you had a, you had a minus week, two players. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. That is that is a good sign. I mean, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you mess with it too much. I've done that as well. There was a time also with Sporting in Kansas City where I pulled out someone. I think I pulled out someone to put in Daniel Shalloway because I saw. I think it was Russell. I pulled out Russell. I put in Shalloway, 
because Russell wasn't starting. And then Shallowy got a red card in the first game of a double game week. That's so he didn't right. Get, yeah, I, I remember yeah. being like, yeah. that is like, oh, no, so sorry, Steve. But really, I was like, yes, coming, <laughs> coming for you, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, no one actually cares about fantasy outside of the people who are playing it, right? So um, let's get right into the conversation here. Uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about is uh, Darwin Quintero, uh, who came in, uh, has done, has been fantastic for the team, has been out for a little bit with an injury, but we're looking toward his return now uh, down the stretch, and, and that's going to be big for the team. For me, I think obviously the, the results show um, how important he is to the team, but it, also just in terms of the way the team looks on the field while they're playing. Uh, to me, that has fortified the case for this basically being his team now. Uh, there's there's a lot to like, I think, with uh, uh, Angelo Rodriguez and what we've seen in terms of his work rate. But we've also seen that he's sort of been marooned on that island out there. And there's that that's his role is not to drop back and, and do what Darwin has done. Um, and so we, we see them missing what Darwin brings in that crucial area between the midfield and the back line in terms of of, of pushing the game forward. Uh, what, what's been your take on Darwin? I mean, y- you played midfield, so. Yeah, watching Darwin play, he's one of the most special players I've been fortunate enough to see up close and personal throughout my entire career. Uh, I wish I would have gotten a chance to play with a guy like that. Um, there are certain moments, one guy that comes to mind that had the creative mindset he didn't have the athleticism to pull it off but but clint mathis when i played in real salt lake saw the game differently Mm -hmm. and sometimes he would make a pass into space between two or three defenders and i just look at him and i would say clint i'm sorry i just i didn't see it you know and you could tell as soon as the play was over it was like the light bulb went off of why did he oh oh that's exactly what i should have done yeah and there's, so there's very few moments, but but apart from him and maybe a couple of other players along my career, I didn't really get a chance to play with a game-changing player that just sees the game differently. Now seeing Darwin up close and personal from the side and during training and, and in matches against some of the best teams in the league, he makes the game of soccer look easier, mm-hmm. far easier right. than it actually is. Yeah, And see, he's got this ability to see the game at a slower pace. He reads what other players are doing, not just with their positioning, but which way is their body weight leaning. When defenders come in to try to defend a 1v1, Darwin does a good job of looking at their hips and where their body weight is. So if they're leaned a little more to the left, ready to defend to the left, he's able to shift to the right side where they're not able to get a push off to defend and it takes the slightest touch of movement by him and he gets past him. He does these little things so well in space and he is integral to this team. And I think you've seen it. 19 games played, I think 10 goals, 9 assists in those 19 games. But you've started to really see the importance of Darwin since his injury and since he's been gone and the lack of creativity that have that has been there at times for Minnesota United right. from that role where Darwin played. Mm-hmm. Look, you're not going to fill – it's not a plug-and-place. It's not next man up with sure. Darwin Quintero. Right. It's we're going to need everybody to kind of pick up because he carries so much weight on those little shoulders <laughs> that when he steps out of the lineup, you start to see that void. And unfortunately, I don't think enough players so far in his absence have picked up bits and pieces of the weight to carry it Mm -hmm. and I don't think 
I think that's why the results haven't matched what it was when he was in the lineup. It'll be interesting to see when he does come back, though, if he can pick back up where he left off after missing a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think that the that question of how he improves the players around him, that 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 idea of the guys have to pick it up, it, it almost seems to me like if he'd been here longer and and his role had been more established, maybe those guys would have been, you know, a little more able to fill in some of those gaps of. But they're still learning exactly how he plays. That that story you, you told about, you know, with Clint Mathis and and him being capable of things that you didn't realize were really possible. It reminds me of uh, a great story about Trent Tucker. Uh, who I'm sure you, you know. Yeah, the great Trent Tucker. Yes. So, Old uh, GT. Yes. So, so, uh, Tuck man. I was, <laughs> you know, role player in the NBA, uh, you know, a Minnesota, uh, basketball legend. Uh, and he was, I, I was, uh, talking to him once and he was talking about playing with Michael Jordan, um, which he did on the Bulls after he had been traded from the Knicks. And he told a story about how he, he had the ball at the top of the key. And uh, Jordan was on the baseline, and Jordan, you know, gestures up at the hoop and runs, and Trent doesn't throw it up for him. So, yeah, no, Mike, like, I know there's it's too, there. There's too many guys, or whatever, <laughs> like that. And then he, and then Michael Jordan's coming back down the, the 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 court after you know they scored or whatever, and he goes up to Trent, and he's like, "Why didn't you throw me the ball, man? Like I was calling for the alley oop." Trent was like, "Listen." I was on the Knicks. Like, we didn't have guys who could do that. <laughs> you know? so, so that way that a player can sort of break open the game for other players. I, I was sort of, I feel like we've seen the benefit of that uh, with Miguel Ibarra, especially, in terms of what his relationship with, with Darwin has become. Uh, and how a good player like that isn't just good because he is good, but because it makes things easier for other for the other guys on, on the field. And how important do you think that is for his game? It's really important, but I also think... You saw in the first couple of games, uh, look, Darwin had an immediate impact on the score sheet and everything, but I think a lot of the players around him took a couple of weeks to figure out how can I anticipate what Darwin's going to do. And to Darwin's credit, he's so unpredictable and so good with his reactions to things that happen. A lot of times, I don't think Darwin knows 100% what he's going to do, but he goes in the moment Ah, there you go. There's a nice little plug for your piece that you do on the website. <laughs> in the moment. In the moment. He reads the game so quickly and adapts so quickly and on the fly that a lot of times he finds himself in these good spots. Like, for instance, the goal against New England, when he found himself in the box with four or five guys, I guarantee you when he received the ball, sideways turned on almost three-fourths of his back was to the goal. He probably wasn't thinking, I'm going to run through a maze of people and score here. Sure. But he takes his first touch. He realizes the defender is late, so he takes the touch by him. He doesn't get fouled, so he's still on his feet. Now the next guy is late. He touches it by him. Now the other guy, he realizes, flat-footed, I'm going to push it by him. Then he gets to that tight angle, and he realizes the goalkeeper's there. I just got to put my foot through it to the far post. Right. And he does. And it hits the inside of the post, and it goes in. And you start going, Wow. I can tell you, when, when he first received that ball, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to dribble four people and score this. Right, right. It just happens. And I think with the teammates around him, Steve, he is now starting to help them change their games and the way they look at games because Miguel Obara, Angelo Rodriguez, you start to look at even Ibsen and Rasmus Schuler, Colin Warner, they're starting to figure out what can I do now to help assist Darwin. And, okay, I see Darwin starting to make a run like this. I know he's thinking this. Or he may most likely do something like this, so I need to be in the spot in case he does pass it to me. Mm-hmm. 
there was a really quick transition to it, but it did take a couple of games. So I just wonder when he comes back, will that happen again? Right. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked if the first couple of games you didn't see everybody being in sync together. Uh, another shout out to your favorite band of all time. In sync, yeah. And well, I was always a 98 degrees guy, but you know. I mean, they were clearly the third best of their generation behind <laughs> BSB and NSYNC. But look, no hate, Nick Lachey. I, like I like the underdogs. So yeah, look, Jeff Timmons. Look, there's a. I'm embarrassed. I probably know all of their names. <laughs> um, I'll be interesting to see when he comes back um, this week against DC and Salt Lake. Just how quickly things can pick back up where it left off. Not only for Darwin being as sharp as he was a couple weeks ago, but also the teammates around him and their understanding of the game when he's on the field and what he is likely to do when he has the ball at his foot. Well, as we get to a break, you are hearing some insightful thoughts from Steve, from myself. It's a little bit different this week, but I'm loving the structure so far. Please stick around. We've got so much more to break down with Steve McPherson, lead host of the Sound of the Loons podcast, which is filling in tonight for the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken. Please stick around. We've got so, so much more to come right here on 1500 ESPN. You're listening to The Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to The Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. This week, a little different. No Adrian Heath, but instead, we have the Sound of the Loons podcast. Steve McPherson is here. We're talking all things soccer. Last segment was about Darwin Quintero. We've got so much more this segment. I'm excited for you to hear what we have in store. So, Jamie, in terms of talking about um, formation, which is one thing that I've always been interested in, again, I, coming from a background of the NBA, you got five guys out there, and there, there's ways to array five guys on the court in each play, but there's nothing exactly analogous to in soccer where you have, this is the way the guys are spread out on the field, and this is what you can, you can get out of these formations. A lot has been made of, you know, it's, I know Adrian has, has long run the 4-2-3-1 as his, his preferred um, setup. Cal talks about how successful that, that can be with the right personnel and how good he saw it be in Orlando um, with Adrian. You know, for a variety of reasons, the team's made the shift to the 3-5-2, uh, you know, recently and at times uh, during the season. And a lot has been made of what that means and, and how it affects the, the play on the field. It's something that I think about a lot, um, what it opens up and, and, and how it can be more effective defensively or offensively. But I often sort of wonder, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this as a, as a former player especially, how much does the actual numbers that you trot out there in terms of you know listing those numbers when you announce the formation, how much does that matter game to game, or is it is it more about players just being in roles that that they can really grab a hold of and and do the most with? Well, I think it's it's very important first of all for the mentality of each individual player that is selected on the game uh, and what they are going to try to accomplish together, because the team was set up and a 4-2-3-1 at the beginning of the season because of injuries, because of player personnel, because of guys that were available, sometimes international duty. You lost Francisco Calvo during the World Cup. You know That was obviously difficult to adjust to. Brent Coleman stepped in, did an incredible job. But more so when Francisco Calvo came back, you had Michael Boxel and Brent Coleman playing really well. Francisco Calvo had just been playing with the national team in this formation that was a 3-5-2 and you saw he was really excelling. You know, before the World Cup, you know, it was a tough period for him 
And it's tough for any player that's about to go to the World Cup. It sounds weird because you're like, wait a minute, you're about to go to the World Cup. How could anything be difficult? Sure. Yeah. Mentally, your mind is very worried about, I don't want anything to happen. Yeah. To, you're in two places at once. You're, you are, exactly. So, so you've got one foot out the door, ready to go to the World Cup. Inherently, and I don't blame them because it's the biggest thing that you can possibly do in your career. And you've got one foot here with Minnesota United. And so you're not 100% at either place yeah. and so it was a tough spot for him since he's come back I think you've seen now he's fully committed and he's fully here and you've seen a night and day difference in Francisco Cavill but let's take for instance Miguel Ibarra in this shift of a 4-2-3-1 to a 3-5-2 first off credit where credit's due to Adrian Heath he had to make the adjustment I've known him for a decade I've never played a 3-5-2 with him right and I played for him for six years as a player known him the entire time the three five two adjustment was him having to adjust to what his team gave him mm -hmm. and what was presented to him and what he had available to him. So it wasn't planned, but it was an adjustment that needed to be made. And I think the team was very good within that adjustment. So then he stuck with it, which is not what he probably wanted to do, but it's what his team needed. So he put the team in front of what he would probably like to play the game and how in front of how he'd like to play the game. But going back to Miguel, when the team's a 4-2-3-1, Miguel's most likely playing the outside right or the outside left of the three. Right. He's starting the game 25 yards higher up the field with somebody behind him at all times, apart from maybe an overlapping run from Jerry or from... Mark Birch, Tyro Mears, whoever it was early in the season. You know what I mean? There's there's so many different um, factors behind you that you don't have to have as much defensive liability. Sure. In yeah. this 3-5-2, when you say today's lineup is a 3-5-2, yes, you have help in the form of Michael Boxel, maybe as that right center back, but you don't want Michael Boxel getting pulled all the way to the line because if he does, Brent Coleman has to shift, Francisco Calvo has to shift. Now there's a big gap on the other side of the field. Yeah. So defensively, you're starting deeper because you you don't have somebody behind you. You don't want to just leave a big gap behind you. Mm -hmm. So now mentally, you're thinking, "Well, I also have to be very responsible. I have to be responsible defensively and make sure that I don't get caught out of position with my defensive responsibilities and duties." Right. But I'm also relied upon in the attack. Part of the reason I think the team was able to do a 3-5-2 and be successful was because Miguel Abar is so fit and has the engine to be able to do it. If he's not on the roster and he's not as fit as he is and he doesn't have the characteristics that he does, I don't think Adrian could switch to the 3-5-2. Yeah. There's very few teams that can do it because that is the hardest position in soccer. Yeah. Is to be one of the outside guys in a 3-5-2 that goes back and forth. The only other team I think in MLS that was ever really good at it was the 2003-2004 iteration of the New England Revolution when they have Steve Ralston on one side who could just mm -hmm. go up and down. And I'm struck. I think it may have been like Joey Franchino, I think, maybe was the guy. And I don't even think that's the right name. We'll I, talk to the stats people. We don't yeah, have a whole well, staff yeah. here. That'd be great. Yeah, let's just look, that. <laughs> look up stats. Look that up right now. But I, 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 do, I, I do remember that being about the last team in MLS – that was able to do that because they had the right personnel to do it. And Adrian Heath saw that in Miguel and saw that in the players that were available to him. 
and he was able to do that and make yeah. that adjustment. And you were you saw some success in it. Yeah, yeah. I think you've seen that. Uh, I mean, I think all you really need to do is 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 look at the the other side of the field at the other the other half of the three five two here for us that to see that there's. I mean, I think there's been moments that it's been really successful, but you've obviously you know Adrian has had to make that dis- that choice between um, going with Eric Miller, who's more defensive minded, or you know at first working with Alexi Gomez, who's more offensive minded, and you see you saw that when. When uh, Alexi was forced into having to fall back on defense, it could be a problem sometimes. Eric going forward is not as much of, of a problem. Uh, it, it's not this, it doesn't create problems the same way. But you can see that he's, it's a little tougher for him to feel confident going over that midfield line and going into the attack. He does it, you know, and there's been, he's had, he, he had a near assist, uh, that was fantastic. That was called back, but that was, that, that he didn't get the credit for. But, um, but yeah, Miguel's ability to just go up and down all day, uh, and do that work has been, you know, really incredible. And so it's one of those situations that I think in some ways it's really unlocked his potential. And as you said, I give Adrian a tremendous amount of credit for sticking with it. Uh, you know, I think that it's easy for coaches in any sport to have, to be dogmatic about what they're going to do. They're saying like, this is how I, I see things. And to some extent, I really respect that when there's a coach who this is the, this is the system that they want to play. They want to get the guys to buy into that system. And they know that when that system is bought into, it can be incredible. But Adrian had to look at the personnel he had available, the situation he was in, see the successes that were, that, that were coming with the 352 and not stick to his sort of rigid, like, this is how we're going to do it. I thought, I thought it showed a lot of flexibility and I really, I really admire that. Yeah, I did. Just looked it up. It was Jay Heaps was the name I was okay, looking for. Okay, all right, good. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that one, but uh, that you're absolutely right. The point you make about Eric Miller, and, and you got to also remember too when this shift was made to the three five two. Jerome Tiasone was hurt. Tyrone Mears was hurt. Eric Miller was hurt. Mark Birch. Mark Birch was hurt. Yeah. So all the depth you had at both right back and left back were hurt. So you've got that. This is what I'm talking about. These, these are, this is diving deeper, deeper into what I was saying about because of the injuries and because of what the team was giving you. Well, the team was giving you four injuries right. to outside backs. And then it was also giving you three center backs who were playing very well at the time. Right. Calvo, Boxel, and Coleman. So then you start going, okay, well, Alexi Gomez, he's not a left back per se. Can he do it? Yes. But he he does have questions about the one on one defending. Yeah. yeah. I, look, at my in my career, I was asked to play outside back. And that experiment ended quickly because <laughs> right. the one v one defending right. yeah. is a very difficult it's a highly specialized skill people spend years perfecting. Yeah. So Alexi Gomez now has the ability, like Miguel, to get forward and get back. He's got the cover of Calvo, who can cover who has a lot of range and can get over there. So that's what the team's telling you now. You've got Alexi Gomez, who plays the hybrid left-mid, left-back role. Miguel Abar doing the same thing. And three center backs who are playing very well. Well, fantastic. That's what the team's giving you. Yeah. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be stubborn to not say this is what we need to do if you just didn't recognize that or notice that or acknowledge that this is what the team's giving you. And to Adrian's credit, he did, and he made the adjustment. This is what I love about the sound of the loons is you can dive deeper That's exactly right. and you have the ability to and I want to, Steve. Yes. The conversation with Steve and I that we're having on this week's Sound of the Loons podcast has been fantastic. We are so grateful having him here on the Adrian Heath Show filling in tonight. 
Stick around. We still have two more segments to go. We're halfway there right here on the Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. This is the Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the Adrian Heath Show. Halfway there, two segments done. We've talked Darwin Quintero. We've talked formations. We've talked a ton of Minnesota United in depth. A little bit different tonight is Adrian Heath and the team is in D.C. tonight. Unavailable for the live show that we normally have here Tuesday night, 6 to 7. So instead, we are playing the Sound of the Loons podcast, which you could find on 1500ESPN.com. Download it, subscribe to it. Normally, it's Steve McPherson leading it with Callum Williams, play-by-play commentator for Minnesota United. I'm filling in for Callum as he's just gotten married this past weekend. Congrats again, Callum and Stacy, the new Mrs. Williams. I don't know what you're thinking. You're way out of Cal's league, but thank you so much. I love welcoming you into the Minnesota United family, Stacy, and we hope that you guys had a wonderful, wonderful wedding. We hope that you're enjoying the show. Let's dive back into the Sound of the Loons podcast led by host Steve McPherson. All right, so Jamie, there's a lot of, uh, you know, obviously people are concerned about the team making the playoffs. Uh, This is one of the things that I think for any team, um, you know, one of the markers of this team is going someplace. If you can go from not making the playoffs to making the playoffs. Unfortunately, it's a very, um, what I would call Manichean situation, which uh, is basically it's black and white, right? Like you're either in or you're out, and it says nothing about the quality of, I mean, you could miss by a point, you could miss by 10 points. It's all the same. It, it yep. doesn't really matter. You're either in or out. Yep. So, you know, but whether or not, you know, this, this, this team makes the playoffs, I'm curious about your, your, your sense of how this season is going to be looked at, you know, years down the line. Um, I mean, we still have eight games to go. But based on, uh, based on what's happened so far and then what could happen in the next eight games. So, first of all, you know, how do you see this season being assessed? And then how important do you think that this, this stretch run is to that assessment and how we're going to feel about what's happened this season? I think if you're writing the biography of the 2018 season right now, right. still with eight games left to go, I think you have now proven that there is a core group of players here that can compete in this league, that can win in this league, that can win on any night against any team, and you start to say, adding to that in the offseason can only make this team get better. You found a team and a fan base that has made playing in Minnesota an incredibly difficult task. Eight home wins on the season. You now see what that will be like at Allianz Field. No disrespect to TCF Bank Stadium. It's been a great home. A lot great, of great memories great hosts, from there. Yeah. yeah. And you start to say if it can be that much of a home field advantage in that stadium with those fans, when you shift to your own stadium, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get harder to play against. I expect that those eight wins to be 9, 10, 11 wins next season. Mm -hmm. What you wanted from the 2018 season was noticeable progress and change from 2017, and you saw that. The roster quality has gotten better. I still don't think it's where anybody says this is the final product. It's still a work in progress. The team now is adapting a winning culture at home. Still have to fix the road problems. That's still a glaring issue that there's no denying. It needs to get better Mm -hmm. there. But you can start to say that Minnesota United is a team that can beat any team in MLS on any given night 
And that was the marked improvement that I think was necessary that needed to be there from 2017 to 2018. The mindset of we know what it's like to win at this league in this in this league at this level. And you know that it's only going to just, the volume's going to get turned up. It's only getting ramped up. The foot's going further and further down on the gas pedal now to try to get better. And I think next year will be the year, if you're ending this book, which still has eight games left. Look, Mm -hmm. if you roll off eight wins in a row, which Seattle's done, look, let's, let's, uh, there's a reason it's an MLS record. Chances are that may not happen again for years and years and years. But if you end the season with, a winning record, and you're on the upward trend like you were at the end of 2017, you start to see, here's the improvement. You're one win away already with eight games left from what you were last season. Mm-hmm. You certainly hope to surpass that number, right? especially with four home games left. Yeah. Regardless if it's Portland, it's New York City. I mean, those are tough games, but you expect to win yeah. those games now here at TSF Bank Stadium. If you continue that trend upwards and you give yourself this offseason to go into and to add to the roster of players and the core group of players that will remain, you start to say it all builds up for 2019 being the year when you say this is the year Minnesota United is one of those six teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that the if you look back numbers-wise, they certainly dropped some winnable games early on. You know, against San Jose is, is, is one of the things that sticks out, I think, you know, at, at home especially. Um, they... Uh, Lost on the road a staggering number of games versus tying. You know, this is one of the things that you look when you start looking across the league and you see how often teams draw or lose um, on the road. Minnesota United has just lost a lot of games where they should have gotten at least a point out of it. Colorado you know? comes to mind. Colorado is a great example. There's a ton of them that they lost late or they had a lead. They they couldn't hang on to it, and that, you know, that stuff doesn't fix itself. But you know, if you imagine just taking half those, turning half those straight up losses into into draws. That changes that changes things a lot, I think. Yeah, of course, you grab a point or two here and there. Yeah, and and those are important moments that teams that find themselves in the playoffs. That's what they do. Yeah, they get points in those games. Right, right. You win at home, you tie on the road. Yeah, and that's why it's called getting a result. Right, because that is a result. Tying in this league on the road. That's considered good. Yeah. And every team, if you win at home and you tie on the road, that averages two points a game. Two points a game wins you nine times out of ten in the league anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that the other thing about the the, the team as it's constructed now is that, and we touched on this with Darwin earlier, Jamie, that the it, it's given the team... Darwin gives the team a real directionality. Like it gives it a, the, yes. gives the team a feel of a, a way that they want to play. Yes. Uh, like if I look at the the end of last season, uh, I think we had a, a good strong finish toward the end of last season. Um, you know, you saw Abu Dunladi come on pretty strong. He's obviously been hampered by injuries this year. It's been a little bit tough for him. But um, but despite being pretty good. I'm not sure that I felt like the end of last season showed a blueprint of how the team wanted to play. Uh, they had successes, great win over Atlanta in Atlanta. That was terrific. Um, I mean, great, some great moments out of that. But I feel like with, with, uh, Darwin out there and then with the idea of, of, you know, Kevin Molino and Ethan Finley returning, I feel like it's giving a shape to this is how the team wants to play. This is how they're, this is what their identity is. And I think especially in, 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 in this league, 
you need an identity of this is how we're going to take control of a game. Like if, if your identity is we're going to bunker down, that's one thing. If your identity is we're going to get out there and fly around. I mean, one of the things I really enjoyed about watching when I was down in Kansas City uh, and we were watching the LAFC versus LA Galaxy game, I was like, these teams, I mean, they're flawed, right? They're, they each have issues in certain ways. Um, but you could see the Galaxy, they're big. They want to get the ball to Zlatan. Zlatan's going to sort of control the game from wherever he is and dictate where things go. He's a big guy. They've got a bunch of other big guys. LAFC is a, like a lot of s- smaller guys, and they're going all over the place. They want to play. They, they want to get the passes. A lot of movement. Passes, a lot of movement. movement yeah. you know? And it's fun to watch those styles clash. And so I think that, you know, I, I hope that what we're seeing right now in terms of the ass- assessing the second season is that the team is developing towards a sense of this is who we are. And I think that that's going to go a long way to improving things down the road for them. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the injuries and the call-up, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, about having to change the formation has has hampered the team from really adapting to the four two three one preferred style of play. Look, I played in it, and one of the big regrets I had in my career was I didn't have Adrian as a head coach earlier in my career because I feel I would have been ten times the player as I as I was. Sure. I, I think I had a good career. I'm happy with what I achieved in my career, but I think I could have achieved so much more if I would have had Adrian as my coach earlier on because he makes the game simple. For the team that that the, when you're on his team and it's difficult for opposing teams, there's a reason why his team when he had all his full complement of players available in MLS, Adrian Heath has the best record for the first 100 games as a coach in U.S. soccer history. Mm-hmm. So he has a system that works with the right players because it allows you to have two and three options at every point in the on the field in the game when the system is being worked correctly. I just hope that people realize that there is a method to the madness that is the four two three one and it is brilliant when you have the right personnel and you have the right players understanding the system and it affords two and three options at every point. It is the best system that I've ever played in and I still think that it's the best formation. It it's the reason why more teams have adapted to it than anything else. Sure. There's no coincidence. Yeah. So I think that whenever Minnesota United has the time to be able to continue that in a prolonged period of a length of time with the players in that preferred formation, the preferred players within that, they will get better and better. Hope you enjoyed that segment. Stick around. We've got one final segment left on the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken right here on 1500 ESPN. This is the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Adrian Heath Show. Again, our big thanks to Steve McPherson for letting me hijack Callum Williams' seat on the Sound of the Loons podcast this week. We're playing it here for you this week. Adrian Heath in D.C., the team getting ready to take on D.C. United this week. They will also then travel to Real Salt Lake for a game on Saturday. Busy, busy week for Minnesota United. Next week's show is going to be a big one. We're going to recap two games and get back to our normally scheduled program. But for this week, sit back, enjoy this the Sound of the Loons podcast that we recorded this week, which you can find on 1500 ESPN Weekly. Make sure you subscribe. Get that on Apple. Get that anywhere you get any podcast. It is a must-listen every week with Steve McPherson and Callum Williams. Let's dive right into it with the final segment. All right, so, Jamie, I just want to look ahead to the match against D.C. United uh, coming up a little bit. Obviously, the headline here is is Wayne Rooney, right, for D.C. United and, and, and what he's done for that team. Um, you know, 12 games, four goals, six assists, but I think 
you know, if you could say this, spiritual leadership. Uh, I think he's just provided a, a level of grit for the team that's been that's been huge. You know, we all saw the highlight highlight reel tackle and assist. To what Acosta. a moment that was! It's incredible. So, what's been what's been your assessment of of Rooney in DC so far? I think that he had every reason to come in and not really care and just collect a big paycheck, move to America, love his life, play it out. He's accomplished everything in his career. Nothing really here that would make or break his career if he wins or he doesn't win. Sure. It's not going to dictate what he was able to accomplish with Manchester United, with the England national team. Yet he has still come in and he has proven that this guy's love for the game is unquestioned no matter where he is in the world, at what age, he has shown that this is the kind of player that can transform a team. And look, it's easy to say that on paper, you know, look, yeah, look at him, everything he's accomplished. Of course, he, he should do that, but yet he's come in and he's lived up to the hype. He's done extremely well since he's been here. He's made the team around him better. It also has helped moving into Audi Field. I think that's certainly been a big, big boost for DC United. Sure. Their schedule's gotten friendlier as well, playing at home now. Yeah. Had a lot of road games off the season. But at age 32, Wayne Rooney, he's come in four goals, six assists in 12 games. That's a good return. Yeah. That's really good. Those are good numbers. And especially for the fact of normally there's an adaptation period in MLS for foreigners who come in and have to learn this isn't like anywhere else. Yeah. This league is 100 miles an hour for 90 minutes. Good, bad, or indifferent, that's the way the league is played. It's go, go, go. And that isn't always the case everywhere else. Mm -hmm. England, I would say, is is a close adjustment. I think that's why you see more South American players struggle because it's not really that way in South America. Sure. But for Wayne Rooney, he is used to that style of play. He adapted quickly. He bought in. And none more so than that play you were talking about, 2-2 at home. If he doesn't make that tackle... Goalkeeper pulled. The goalkeeper's yeah. gone forward, yeah. gone rogue in a 2-2 <laughs> game. I've never seen anything like it. Right. <laughs> he makes the tackle to not only save his team a point, because they would have dropped that point if Will Johnson is able to just touch it by Rooney, play it across, they score into an empty net, and they don't even get the point from that game. Then he has the wherewithal to put a great ball in, teases Joe Bendick, should I come for it, should I not? He halfway does. Luciano Costa puts it up and over for one of the most memorable wins, game-winning plays you'll ever see in MLS. Yeah. And he's made other players around him better. It's yeah. everything you could possibly want from a designated player. Yeah. He's really don't I mean Acosta especially seems like he's been unlocked with that. I mean, I think that we and we touched on this earlier Jamie like the the idea of a good player is not simply his own abilities, but what he does for for opening things up for other players. Uh, I was talking to uh, Brent Coleman last week and and he was saying how it's kind of surreal to have been game planning for Zlatan Ibrahimovic one game and Wayne Rooney the next game. Right. Um, which is, you know, it's like... Only do like, that in FIFA normally. You're, right, you're playing FIFA now, essentially. So uh, maybe just, just lastly, touch on that. I mean, the impact of both those guys and having... I mean, obviously, it, the league can be in a weird place because people say it's a retirement league. You get these guys. You get, you've had Beckham, Lampard, all these different guys coming over. Does it feel like I mean Rooney definitely feels different uh, as you, as you alluded to in terms of Zlatan I mean seeing his ability to control the game from any position on the field as as a guy with that size and that ability is incredible how do, how is how have those two guys coming into the league made it feel for you well I mean I think nostalgia is really cool to see those guys in this league because those are some of the biggest household names in world soccer but you're also starting to see the trend now too of so was Fran Frank Lampard and Andrea Pirlo. 
you could argue that those weren't successes. Right. Steven Gerrard, a Liverpool fan, that wasn't a success in L.A. You're starting to see that you're not going to be able to just come over and bring these big names to this league because the quality of the league is so good now and the level is so good that you don't just show up with your big name and be the best player instantly in this league. Where maybe that was the case a decade ago, it certainly isn't now. Now you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, DPs like Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almiron. Well, those guys are going to be selling, being sold in the next year, right. 18 months, two years for stupid money, <laughs> monopoly yes. money. Yeah. And it's going to take that because now you've got owners that are sinking resources in. By the way, Darwin Quintero, what would you sell him for? Yeah. It would have to be a stupid offer for Minnesota United to sell right. him. Yeah. Because he is so important to this team. He's so good. He has so much value. You add him into that list of players that how do you what do you sell Sebastian Javinko for? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so now you're getting these 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 players that are known on a worldwide level that are designated players that want to be here, that are very good for this league, that find the league difficult, don't always have success week in and week out. They have ups and downs and spells. But also at the same time, you're not just going to get former players coming in and cakewalk your way through this league anymore. It's going to take somebody that's committed. And you need Wayne Rooney, one of the most decorated, if not the most decorated. I don't know disrespect to England National League players of the past. Um, you know, George Best, Bobby Charlton, all of those greats. Wayne Rooney will be in that discussion. But even he has to come into MLS and be bought in or else it wouldn't work for him. And he has, and that's why it's been so successful. And I can't wait to see it in person Wednesday night. Well, thanks for joining us for the 27th Sound of the Loons podcast. Jamie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, Minnesota United's next match is on Wednesday, September 12th. That's coming right up against D.C. United. I feel like I've been saying this next match for a while now because it's been weeks. But uh, against D.C. United in the brand new Audi field, that'll be a lot of fun. That match kicks off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating. You can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Jamie Watson at JamieWatson77 and me at Steve Venturis. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.